Hey friend, this podcast is brought to you by The Family Thrive, an expert-led, science-backed online community for parents who want to dig deeper and do better. Join us at thefamilythrive.com. When you come into understanding of your own emotional reality and all of the parts inside and the ways that they're hurting and the ways that they're scared and trying to stay safe, once you turn with curiosity, they start to settle down, they start to feel safe inside of you, then you can feel safe with your partner laying your sword down. But if you're not safe with yourself, how are the hell are you going to be safe with someone outside of you? You've got to get to know you if you want your partner to know you. Uh, what is there to say about our amazing friend and licensed marriage and family therapist, Jenny Walters? We've had her on the podcast in episode two. We also published an AMA with her and now we have her back to talk about maybe one of the hardest topics of all, marriage or life partnerships, whatever you want to call that relationship where you're committed to another person for the long haul. We get deep and vulnerable in this episode. Jenny shares some really intense and amazingly healing stuff about her own marriage. And Audra and I do the same. And we basically just lay it all out there. We talk about a saying that goes something like, if you don't face your deep childhood emotional wounds, then your marriage will force you to. And there's another saying we discuss, our wounds happen in relationships, but we are also healed in relationships. If you're ready to dig deep with us and get real about the pain and frustration of marriage, but also the joyful connection that comes from doing the hard work, then buckle up. This episode is for you. Jenny, this is going to be a relationship-themed interview with you. We've had you on a couple of times, and we love you, but so do the listeners. Yours is one of, I think, or might be the- All-time uh, highest. Yeah, the all-time- Are you most kidding? Downloaded no. podcast. No. Yes. I'm no everybody loves Jenny. That's kind. Before you said interview, I thought you were going to say intervention, and I was like- yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair it's enough. been a day. Yeah. <laughs> We've brought you here, Jenny, to talk about the way you do relationships. <laughs> yeah. Oh my yeah. God. So this is relationship themed. We're going to focus on relationships today. We have a, a bunch of stuff cooking for relationships in the Family Thrive. We have workshops cooking. We have a bunch of content. And so we need to have just a full discussion on relationships. Let's start off, if we can, with the word marriage. It seems to trigger Audra. And... <laughs> Is that, is that, does that trigger you that it triggers me? I, yeah. And, and I'm triggered because she's triggered. So marriage, I have written it into a lot of Family Thrive stuff because let's be honest, most like I'm sure, you know, a, a very high percentage of the members and readers and listeners who are in long-term relationships and have children are married. Or and so, they're post married and they're they have like an a, a dad to the children who they co parent with and then they're in a relationship with somebody else who's a partner. Like I don't know, I know 
I, I just have no, a No, I know that partnership is more inclusive. I get that. But Jenny, is there anything I mean can you He likes the alliteration can of you marriage give us some guidance matrix, here? Which I get. How do you feel about the word marriage? Yeah. You know, it's interesting because for because as I, I'm married to a woman and I and my marriage was not seen as a marriage for the first year by the by the government and then we went and had another we have so many anniversaries you guys we have like <laughs> the big gay wedding then we have the legal <laughs> wedding and then we have you know when we started dating and then anyway um, so I get I get how it is kind of a loaded word for different people and different experiences also I don't know if you guys read the stats but last week I don't. I think it was in the New York Times. Um, this next generation, the marriage rates are going down. People are not getting legally married. Um, Is it a COVID? Did you thing? read that? Or I didn't read that, but I'd love to see that, and and I can imagine a number of reasons why. Right, but people are yeah. still forming families, right? You know, right. but just not mm -hmm. getting married. That said. As a therapist, I, you know, you sit with all kinds of people and I've certainly had lots of people say, you know, yeah, you know, marriage is just a piece of paper. And that has not been my experience. I, I felt a real transformation when Tina and I got married. I mean, it felt like the wedding was so powerful in terms of community and commitment in front of our loved ones and their commitment to us in terms of supporting us in this marriage. And I mean, something definitely changed inside of both of us after that ceremony. And that was without the legal status, right? But that moment changed something in each of us. So marriage took on a new, it, it meant something in a different way than dating and even living together did. And that was just my personal experience. You guys got married. How long were you together before you got married? Well, we were Three friends years. for probably five years. Not five, five years? I God, I didn't get to the that. point now. It's been we've been we've been married for tw it'll be twenty years in March. Oh my God! I know, right? I didn't I think know you we were in the friend zone that long. Well, we then, met. Oh, I, I I think we met early ninety seven. Ninety ninety seven ninety six late ninety six late ninety six early ninety seven. We became roommates and, early ninety seven. Yeah. Yes, and then and then we were friends for years. Wasn't that well, many years? Three years. years. Probably. And then I think it was, yeah, 2000-ish where we became romantic. So we've been together for like 20, I don't know, three years? Um, Is that all? 20. 20 <laughs> well, 20 so I, yeah, we, but we got married in 2002, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we got, so we're, we're, so we're coming up on 20 years. It definitely was a big deal for me uh, you know to but just i remember thinking how like the shift there was a shift when i said my my wife like that yeah. that was a or you know that was a big shift did you um, feel that jenny when you were oh yeah i mean yeah. i felt a lot of pride and i also felt um i think over the years i i don't even say it i don't even hesitate but you know, in the beginning, you never know how people are going to receive a same sex. I mean, that's changing, thank God. But so I would kind of sometimes I would say my partner or my spouse and I would sort of code switch, you know, I would mm -hmm. kind of like hide it. Um, and I don't do that anymore at all. So it was there was many layers to it. I mean, I didn't feel any shame about it. It was more just fear of just, you know, sometimes you're dealing with 
like a customer service and you just don't, and they always say, oh, does your husband, da, da, da. And then you say, and I'm married to, and sometimes I'll just let it go. You know, just like, I don't need to explain this, but anyway, that's another topic. But that was a big moment to switch into that kind of language. I mean, language matters, you know, so. Well, right. I So for yeah, me. That's why we want to talk about it. Cause this does, this does matter. It's like how we're kind of going to be referring to um, kind of like a, a major part of a program, you know? And I don't have a problem using partnership and we, and we use it and, and it's fine. I do, I, I guess I just don't want the word marriage to go away. I don't know. Like, will, will it be canceled? Like, will the word marriage be canceled? Well, I hope not. I mean, if you want your alliteration though, Justin, you could call it like the, the partnership pie chart or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. of I like it. And put it in a pie, in a pie shape. Uh, it would look more delicious too. Well, no, the, it, it won't, it won't work as a pie. It, it okay. really is a matrix. And we're going to talk about this in a little bit. But now that we're talking, I, I think I do want to. F- uh, bring up one of the matrices. And so for the l- listeners, obviously this is a podcast, you cannot see the matrix, but we are going to link to it in the show notes. Um, w- if we put this up on YouTube, we'll have it uh, prominently displayed on YouTube, but I'll describe the matrix. Um, and this matrix is going to come up in workshops and seminars and things that we do. And there are actually two of them. And, y- and we need two because they don't work without one another. But the first matrix is uh, so on what we'd call the y-axis, the line going up and down. We have authenticity at the top. And then at the bottom, we have false or lost identity. And so you can chart where you are Mm -hmm. in your marriage for yourself. Like in your marriage, how true to your essence can you be? Like, are you your, your, your full authentic self? And does your marriage or partnership allow you to be just fully you? And so you can chart your, yourself up and down. And then on the X axis that goes horizontally across on one end is uncommitted that you are in a marriage that you're like, mm, you know, I mean, we'll see how long it lasts or we'll do it for as long as it feels okay. And then on the other end, you have fully committed. And this is, you know what? I'm with you through. I like it. it, it like it's not even a question. I am, I am here and I'm not going anywhere. Can I ask a question? Yes. Well, all right. So that is the matrix that I, I want to ask it about describe. the matrix. Yes. I'm asking. Uh, so the <laughs> other matrix specific, Audra. Yeah, right, right. We are not taking any non-matrix questions at this moment. <laughs> Do you feel like it you is can about true self? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's about the false um, slash lost identity part of it. And you mentioned in your marriage, I just as we're eating read on linkedin it was linked linked on linkedin a, a psychology today article about survivors of childhood trauma and like common responses and this is something that jenny will be able to totally chime in on and one of them is a uh false or lost identity a um persona that that they develop because they're not safe or have not felt yeah. safe in full auth- authenticity so is this just false loss identity in relationship to your in relation to your relationship and your marriage or is it like in in for you 
Well, when I put this together, this was through a bunch of reading that I was doing and talking with some relationship coaches. And so the idea here is, is that an ideal relationship, like when you're really in the zone with your, with your marriage or your partnership, you are able to be 100% yourself in the relationship. Like you, you can show up with your full authentic self. You don't need to hide anything. You don't need to say, well, my partner doesn't like this part of me. And so I need to hide this part or I need to play this part down. Like, you know, ideally you show up with your full authentic self. And that is like when a relationship is clicking on all cylinders. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I get the full authenticity part. It was just like, it's the false loss identity part where it, I was thinking like potentially, you know, this is, this is for somebody, um, who is, um, maybe in the space of pursuing healing and, um, is it the false loss identity in relation to you and our, in our partnership, or is this in relation to they're struggling with a false loss identity in general, like yeah, in their lives. I, and I think that's I, what I'm thinking I understand. It is. What's interesting about this matrix is that relationship issues might fall on one or both of these acts. What's the plural axes? Axes. Um, thank you. I can't believe I, <laughs> I, I, okay. Um, <laughs> I can't. And so what I can say is that as a, a person whose attachment stuff came out as being um, pretty people pleaser, very, um, one of the words that I'm really uh, in love with, uh, is this idea of echoism, which we, I think we've talked a little bit in a past podcast about, but where Narcissus is at one end of a spectrum echo in the Greek myth is at the other. So he has all the self and she has no self, right? She just repeats the words. So for those of us whose trauma kind of expresses itself in those ways as being, um, accommodators, people pleasers, echoists, in order to stay safe in trauma language that it's called the fawn response. Yeah. Um, you know, so I can say that my, the work that I'm doing personally and in my, in my marriage is around, is around bringing, bringing my authentic self, um, knowing that it's safe to do that. Mm, I love that. And um, I've learned how to do it in my life, I would say my marriage has been the most challenging and rewarding place of that work. So in many ways, I absolutely can totally be myself. I mean, Mm -hmm. obviously with my wife, I mean, completely. And when we are in conflict, it is usually because I have stepped out of my authentic self around something that was just too big and too scary to Mm -hmm. ask for or express or share, you know, um, whereas, you know what, in friendships and things like that, I've gotten much, much better at it. It's not as scary. It's not as threatening to the attachment, but the marriage is like the final frontier. So, you know, it's, it's growing me in huge ways to confront that, you know, with my wife. Oh, I love that, Jenny. Yeah. That brings to mind a quote that I wanted to talk about, but that we are wounded in relationships, but we heal through relationships as well. And what I'm hearing is that in, in this life partnership marriage that you're in, it has forced you to, to, to heal in some areas where you wouldn't have otherwise 
healed because you would have been able to avoid those those wounds, right? And yeah, and that's not to say that I didn't try to avoid it in my marriage, right? Mm-hmm. But because my commitment was mm-hmm. over on the fully committed, it got to the point where I just didn't have a choice. And I would yeah. say that my wife would probably say regarding her issues that it's the same thing because she's she and I have both always been on the full, that's just hasn't been our issue. Commitment just hasn't been our particular place of struggle. So we're over here on this fully committed, which has then at a certain point demanded that we do the healing on the other axis because uh, we didn't we wouldn't want to break up. Did it demand that you do the work around authenticity uh, because otherwise you would have been in a relationship that lost all of its energy or w- did other conflicts come up? Yeah, I would say that when I when I get too fearful to bring my authentic self and and really talk, especially about hard conversations, you know, I I start to disconnect, which is another trauma response. Which mm-hmm. is I tend to kind of withdraw. Yep, disconnect and just back away. And when I notice that happening, because I am fully committed, something in me says, "Uh oh, this isn't how I want to be. This isn't how I want to be in relationship with her." So then I feel called to, you know, turn toward the hardest stuff and the scariest stuff. I mean, like it's, nobody wants to, you know, it's like really, I mean, I remember once early, early on, we were going to go to a cup, a mare, you know, a therapist, because we had just, one, I can't even remember what it was, but we had one conflict. We just kind of kept circling and circling. It was like, oh my God. And this was, this was like over a decade ago. So I was not where I am now in this work. And I remember getting up in the middle of the night in a panic and laying on the bathroom floor, just terrified of going into this session and saying what I needed to say. I was oh. terrified, uh, but I did it, you know, and turns out everyone lived, you know, <laughs> it's like, it's yeah. never as bad as you think it's going to be. This, yeah. So uh, this is, I, I wanted to bring up the first matrix to talk about commitment, but now we're talking about authenticity. But this brings us to the second matrix that I'll describe so we can kind of go back and forth. So on the Y axis, the one going up and down for the second matrix we have, are you in a relationship with lots of connection where you, you know, there's, there's just lots of, of conversation and physical intimacy and relational intimacy and just lots of opportunities for connection or is it lots of disconnection just you know the the arguments or or just you know withdrawal and so that's that so you can chart where you are on the vertical y axis and then on the horizontal x axis we have skills for repair do you and your partner have skills for repair because disconnection is inevitable i mean there's there's no relationship that i'm aware of that uh you know uh, is just absolutely full of connection 100% of the time and so the question is do you have skills for repair no skills for repair on one end lots of skills for repair on the other Mm-hmm. And so you, you can you can chart where where you are on this matrix as well. And it sounds like uh, there was the, this pressure of disconnection because of the authenticity piece was driving you to gather on board these skills for repair. Yeah, because it was 
<laughs> intersecting with disrupting my level of commitment because the truth is disconnection oh. actually feels good when you're in a tra when you're in a trauma mm -hmm. state or when you're in a con high conflict and you're going into that like real primitive part of your brain of fight and flight for me disconnection is a relief and so i can't say that disconnection frightened me what frightened me was that the if the disconnection were to continue it was going to you know it, i mean if i were just looking down the road you know this isn't sustainable to be in that disconnected state and be fully committed is just those right. aren't going to work right. so i mean not to get too intellectual about it but do you know what i mean like completely i don't know about you but in terms of skills i mean tina is so good about reaching for me in a conflict like we'll have our conflict and then she's so good about coming toward me and saying let's slow this down let's take a breath because of the way i grew up the way i coped i i it's really hard for me to be the one to do that and i'm so glad that there's one of us in the relationship mm -hmm. that can <laughs> because as soon as she does i soften mm -hmm. but yeah. i have a really hard time being that person i really want to just go hide under the bed. I mean, I just, that's my safe place. That was my safe place as a kid. And so, you know, and also growing that personal awareness of this, then you can, you don't have to reenact it with your partner. So to your answer, your question, Audrey, like it's both, right. you know? Right, 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 right. It reminds me of, a, of another quote that I was telling Justin about. And that is, um, if you don't face your childhood traumas, your relationship will. Oh, yeah. Hundred percent, and that just is that reenacting it. Yep, yep. That's what's coming up for me for sure. And I and I identify so much with what you're saying. I think as a child of divorced parents, and then the, all of the things that also brought me into people pleasing and the the placating and trying to make the environment around me stable. When we get into it. I, but then there's I another into, part that is not people pleasing. That is that is resentful of the people pleasing part. Well, yeah, but I'm not talking about that right now. I'm, I'm talking <laughs> yeah. about the fact that I will because <laughs> we'll I am aware. <laughs> I am very in, in, I know you're excited in to touch jump on, with the get part that, that is not people pleasing. Okay. I know for me, it's the part that just wants to go away and be on my own. Yeah. There is a part that's just yes. like screw this. Mm -hmm. I'm good on my own. Yeah. I'm out. I don't want, well, I don't think, even, yeah. Yeah, I didn't mean to interrupt, Audra. Um, no, not at all. That, that's, and I think what Justin's, you know, piping in with is the split, <laughs> is the split, yeah. which is it feel, when we are not in our embodied, authentic self, when we're not in our prefrontal cortex and, you know, we're back in the trauma brain, it feels like the choice is I either have to be, a people pleaser to be in relationship mm -hmm. or, and I don't get to have a self or I can have a self, but I have to be all alone. Oh my mm. God. Yes. How does that land for you, Audra? Totally. <laughs> yeah. And yes, if Nailed I get it. pushed, <laughs> the people pleaser gets pushed far enough. I mean, yes, we are very, we can be very resentful, angry people. We, we can be very nice, but there, because we mm -hmm. can, it, we have a hard time setting boundaries and things that get swallowed. And once we, I don't know about you, Audrey, but once I hit a certain place, I'm out. I'm just like, and seen. It's wow. really hard yes. for me to come wow. back into a relational place. Oh, oh yes. Yes. And for, Jenny, and for some folks in some relationships, like I'm just out. Like there's no, yeah. there's no coming back. It's, it's, it's broken at that point. 
Right, which is where the personal work helps because now I know that this predates Tina. I mean, this. Yep, right, right. You know, like this has nothing to do with her in many ways. And of course, everything to do with her because we're with each other and we're, you know, but now that she knows this about me, she can, if she chooses, she can come toward it with some compassion. And there are things about her that, you know, that I I can, that drive me nuts, but I can also come out with compassion. You know, we can find our way back to each other. So it's Jenny, you described Jenny, one that's... particular pattern. All right. So, and this is- I know it well. We could, we could, yeah, we <laughs> could call this an attachment style or a trauma pattern. Uh, how should we talk about this pattern? You want to put it in another matrix, don't you, Justin? I can just tell you. <laughs> she, reads, she reads you like a book. <laughs> no, I mean, I think we can think of it through a lot of lenses. I mean, if you think of it through attachment, you could think of it as avoidant, anxious. Yeah. So I tend to be more avoidant. Once I start to get kind of tr- uh, activated or, or scared or angry, I tend to back away. I'm the one who's going to say, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm, I'm leaving. You know, I've found a, a healthier way of doing that now is to say time out. You know, mm-hmm. usually avoidant people get together with anxious attachment style. So, oh, wow. Which is, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Which is exactly to your point, which is I'm that pointing at myself. Yes. He's pointing big arrow with question <laughs> at himself. So, to your point earlier, Justin, of like, we pick partners to heal our, you know, this is what the, the, the anxious and the avoidant want to do is heal. So the avoidant wants to learn to not be so avoidant and get to actually land in relationship. And the anxious one needs to learn to tolerate a little bit of frustration and let there be some space and, and still know that they're loved and we get to be close and connected. So that's like, how we could heal. But when we're unconscious about it, the avoidant just keeps being more avoidant, which just makes the anxious one more anxious. And then that just makes the avoidant one more, more avoidant, (laughs) you know? Yes. And then what I, what I did back in the day is I would pick people who were either anxious or avoidant. And then I would play the other part because I was so good at being a people pleaser, but the same amount of space remained between us. Mm. So if I was anxious and they were avoidant, or if they were anxious and I was avoidant, but we never got to, you know, connect and be together. So what's coming up for me is I'm thinking about a listener who is saying, oh my God, you just described a pattern that keeps coming up for me and my partner. What are some first steps? Now, I I guess we could say go to couples therapy, but before that, I mean, are there some, some first steps that a couple can start to make? I know this isn't possible for everyone, but I, I would, I would, I would vote for individual therapy before couples in a lot of instances. Yeah, yeah. Because when you that. when you do your own work, and it's not as threatening, you know, to to have it pointed out. Also, can I just plug real quickly, like premarital counseling or going early on when you guys don't really have a lot of conflict is so when there's so much loving and liking and warmth between you is such a great, most couples wait until they're 10 years into resentment and just anger and hurts. And it's, it's, uh, it's harder to, to undo that. It's not impossible, but it's just when we can kind of create a foundation of learning about each other, what activates us, how to communicate, it just makes it a lot easier. So that's my little, it's my little plug. But what I think you can start doing is, is turning with curiosity toward yourself. And I say this in that lesson that we're preparing right now, which is 
And I, I get how hard this is to do. I don't want to, this is not easy. Call your friends and bitch about your partner. Get it out for you, you know, vent, blame, 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 fine. But at a certain point, the only thing you really have any agency over is yourself. And so at a certain point, it's much more effective to turn toward yourself and get curious about what is going on here. What got activated and get it into like a feeling place, not a, they did this and then, but like, what is actually getting hurt? How am I hurt? So Jenny, I just heard this amazing quote the other day from this um, internal family systems relationship therapist. She said, if the feeling's intense, it's your own. Like mm-hmm. if you're, if you have a moderate amount of anger or, or whatever, and you can just state what the problem is and you, you know, th- then, then, you know, that, that's, that's a whole separate thing. But if you're triggered and you're, you're really pissed off, it's your own. That was kind of a revelation is like, th- that is a sign. Like when, if you're really, really pissed off, that's a sign that there is some internal work that has to be done. Yeah. I would say that's true. I just want to put a caveat for people, folks out there that are, um, I just have a soft spot for the super people pleasery folks out there mm-hmm. who Thank tend you. to self-blame really, really quickly um, and take on all the responsibility of the relationship, especially the ones that are in the place in their life where they're they're in relationship with a lot of people who are narcissistically wounded. Ooh. And so you can be right. feeling an intensity and it actually not always be. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not to say that you don't have a you are a part of it and you, there's a reason why you keep picking people who treat you this way. Yeah. yeah. So, I believe what she's saying is true and I mean this just goes without saying when there's verbal abuse, emotional abuse, gaslighting, things like that, just Right, yes, yes, that yeah, right. You know, if obviously, you're feeling triggered because you've just been hit in the face <laughs> then, then well, yes. But sometimes right. it's just not that obvious is the problem yeah, is that yeah, there, yes, there can yes, be yes. manipulation but that's another episode. But another yes, episode. I would agree that in, in most relationships and partnerships that yes, exactly that if it's the if it if it's a lot of intensity for you and even if it, it it's there's always some part of yours. I mean, it's whether it's 100% or 75%, there's something for you to be doing there. Yeah, that's something that I'm really identifying with as you're as you're sharing that and I'm thinking back and Justin and I uh agreed that we'd you know, be open and very real in this podcast together as we as we normally are. But I remember Always. prior to Justin's journey into doing his inner work, I, and I, I I can visually remember it. I remember getting into these arguments that we haven't gotten into since being pushed to not only yelling, but like crying and feeling like I'm so not heard. And part of it was that, I mean, it was kind of gaslighting. I mean, it was sort of like, no, you don't feel that way. No, that's not how this is. No, that's not what's No, I'm not listening. I'm not listening. I am putting up a wall. I don't, I'm not even going to, to, to acknowledge you, you know, like kind of like that, that is it. I remember like escalating, escalating my voice and myself because I felt like I was knocking on a brick wall, but it was, it was even more than that because it was like the insinuation was, I was just the one that was hundred percent wrong. So I think that this is something that is striking me that, I mean, I, that level of activation was definitely part mine, right? Like definitely it has to do with some of my parts, but definitely part yours too. So how do we help since there is this nuance, like to think of like that, the mindful 
there's got to be a mindful way of, of digging into that where maybe what this woman's talking about is like identifying between a trigger and what's not a trigger anger. You know what I mean? Maybe, maybe it's something that simple like that. Well, so an example she used that helped to illustrate this, she said, like, if I were to call, she was talking with the host of the show. She said, if I were to call you selfish, you would get a little upset because you have a part in you, because we all do, that is, that wants to take and and a part that feels ashamed about this part that 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 wants to take. So we have internal stuff around being selfish. But if I were to call you a communist, like that word has lost its like maybe if I called you a communist fifty years ago, it would have triggered a thing. But like you would just be like, "What are you talking about?" No, I, I I'm yes. not. You know, so <laughs> right. so uh, she used that to to essentially say like if i ins- insist that you're a communist you would just you know calmly explain like i know i'm not a communist and I, you don't have a, you know I, I don't know why you would say this but but you wouldn't be triggered but if i insist that you're selfish then you then it, you get triggered because you have a part in you that a has been accused of being selfish in the past, a part that's ashamed about being, you know, so, so there, now we're getting into all these internal things that are going on in there. And so that, that helped me understand what she meant by if it's intense, it's yours. If it's, it, you know, if, if you, if you have a moderate amount of discomfort, disco- yeah. If, if you're like, no, I'm not a communist, then it's not yours. You can just, uh, you know. Yeah. I think maybe where we're getting hung up is this idea of it being entirely yours. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Like if there's a hook to, I mean, there, you know, and we're going to pick a partner who is going to be able to, you know, activate, like trigger and activate those parts of ourselves. I mean, we're just, yeah, that heat that we feel goes both ways, right? The passion and then you know, I mean, there's a, there's an intensity there. And I think, yes, a hundred percent, you always are bringing your own trauma, your own past, your own hurts and wounds, your own stories. And we're probably going to pick a partner that we, you know, we do a dance with. I think where it gets tricky is when is it okay to say, Hey, when you do this, I feel this, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, like Mm -hmm. that there are times where it is okay to be that you are triggered and it is yours and there's a behavior that you need to be looked at or addressed. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Is that kind of what you were meaning, yeah. Audra? Like- yeah, Jenny, that's exactly it. And I think that you're hitting on something and you, you said this when you, when you said you recommend that people do individual therapy first and looking at what the Family Thrive is interested, the work that we're really interested in, in mental and, emo- and, and emotional health for parents is focusing on your yourself first, like what you have agency over, you know? And so when I look at this matrix even, or the matrices, if you will, is that the, yeah. All right. Then what I'm seeing in that is how can I relate in this and what can I take from this? Not what can we, you know, this is about my work to do. And so I really want to bring the focus and the lens back to, to that. Like I'm, I am in this situation and conflict with my partner. What can I do? Um, not right. kind of like, what can we do? I think the chances are going to be really slim that the two of us are going to be taking this workshop together or doing, you're reading this thing together. You know, it's going to come down to, I look back on that me prior to, uh, you know, it was a few, a number of years ago. And I think I can look back at that me and I see so much opportunity to be with her in support 
but I just didn't have the skills getting back to yeah. your matrix and skills. I just didn't know. I didn't have any idea. And I think what's happening now between the work that you do, Jenny, um, I think a lot of the mental health influencers on social media are doing a great job. Um, I think what we're doing in the Family Thrive is fantastic. We're starting to raise awareness about the the fact that we can that kind of digging deeper, doing this inner work, um, the process of 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 recognition, you know, developing the skills and beginning to heal. These are things that we can do. And I think before this, I used to think like, you know, you're kind of, I don't know how to put it, but um, there weren't so many notes within. It was, I have a problem. I don't have a problem. You know what I mean? It was kind of right. like, I feel like it, I didn't get, really didn't get the, get the nuances. Um, we're either doing this well or not doing this well. It, it wasn't right. nuanced. Yeah. It makes me think too about in terms of the intensity and if it's intense, it's mine, you know? the personal work allows you to dial down that intensity and so that it starts to feel more like being called a communist than being called yes, selfish. Yes, yes, yes. You know, and then we can yep. talk about it and we can still yep. not like it when you call me selfish and that doesn't mm -hmm. feel good, but I also don't feel like I'm being annihilated in that moment. Mm -hmm. And then yes. I can, wow. I had a, a professor in school who, who was a, our merit, he was our couples therapist professor and he was like, yeah, I just decided for a few months I was going to live by the adage, I shall not draw my sword in his marriage. He just was like, I'm just, and he's like, I could feel myself reaching for it, but I just decided not to draw it. And I thought that was a great image of just kind of That's beautiful. trying to come out of that defensive place. Mm -hmm. But if you don't do the inner work, you just don't know what it is you're even defending. You don't even understand. Oh it's, right. it's just that. Oh, Jenny, that resonates because when I started to do this work, you know, now almost two years ago, one of the things that came up was like, I was finding I like, I wasn't aware that I was being triggered by this whole internal series of like narratives and judgments that I, that I had. I just thought that they were just, it was just, you know, the way things should be. And I just reacted to a little feeling inside of like, Audra, you know, I, why are you doing X, Y, and Z when you should be doing A, B, and C? And it was just like the way things were. And then when I started to do this work and it was like, oh, wait, 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 uh, wait. before I say in, in anything, I can now see that I'm like slightly triggered. And now I can start to do, to step back and be like, I actually don't need to say anything right now. <laughs> and in fact, my desire to say something is mine. It's not, it has nothing to do with her. And then I was able to start to see, oh, like, oh my God, I have all these unexamined judgments and criticisms that are, that have nothing to do with her. Like they're not hers. They're like, they are mine. And that, that was, that was a process. Revolutionary though. But it was revolutionary. Yeah. And it's in the biz, we call that withdrawing the projection. Yeah. You, <laughs> you know, like you had a story about Audra and you were projecting it onto her and then her actions are just reinforcing it unbeknownst to her. Mm -hmm. And then, and this goes both ways. Like this is, this is right. the thing. Nobody's side of the street is clean here. Like everyone has shit and it's, but it's also everyone's job to tend to their own dirty diaper, you know, if we're going to stick mm -hmm. with that metaphor, um, <laughs> like to clean it up, you know, and, um, 
and people are so resistant to it. One of the really great things about I, I resonate so much with this idea of like the first step is go into individual therapy, like do this work for yourself. Because one thing that happens, I've come across this idea of relational polarity. So uh, the idea that in a relationship, a polarity can emerge where one side starts to feel like if they don't fight like hell, the other side's going to completely overtake them. And so then the other side feels the same way, like, well, shit, man, if I don't fight like hell, the other side's going to, and then it just gets more intense over time. And it's, and then it becomes this relational polarity. And, and so it'll be a thing like as a parent, for example, this will manifest in like bedtime. And this is something that Justin or screen time, right? It's a really interesting process because Justin will is on the more stringent side. He'll be a parent who's more stringent, a parent who's a little bit less. He has a story about me that I have I would have a frat house if if it were up to me. The kids may never go to bed. Like they like literally it, may never we're go just to gonna bed. be, you know, I don't know, like doing lines of pixie sticks and you know, like watching <laughs> who knows what. And then I have a story about him of like, these children will never live a life. <laughs> you know, they'll, they're going yeah. to be living this military style, you know, sort of thing. And so without even really realizing it, we, we kind of reinforce that as he's like, you know, b- bedtime should be da da da. And I'm like, well, you know, I, you know, I think that they could go an extra, another half hour. And in his mind, he's thinking she, she's like, what do you mean? It's another three hours. And I'm, you know, and I'm thinking, or this is how it's going to be every single night. Like, so, um, yeah. yeah, So that's a great example. You don't care. I care. That's a great example. Yeah. What I was going to, to add though, Mm -hmm. uh, just to, uh, Jenny's point about doing the individual work is that the way to break a relational polar or one way to break it is for one side to unilaterally disarm and, yep, exactly and, what you're and saying. then yep. just to trust that in this relationship, you're yep. not going to over, like, you're not going to destroy me. You're not going to overtake. And if, and, and so I love that idea of like, I'm just not going to draw my sword no matter what. And then the relational polarity just like starts to fizzle. And what happens, what I've experienced to happen here too, is as you put down the sword, you don't draw the sword. I start to feel safe as well to like take off the armor, you know, and we start to like, just sort of like disembattle ourselves. And then it's, it's progressed to the point where I feel safe saying, like, listen, if we're going to set a rule, I'd love to have a family meeting about it. Like, we can talk about it, but let's talk about it at dinner. Let's make agreements with everybody. Everyone's on the same page. I don't like being caught off guard with new rules that I was on a part of making or, you know, that I don't know. Like, and so he's agreed to that. And I feel like we've gotten to a really good place of like, like, let's talk about it, vent about it, but then let's go make a rule together with the kids, you know, and make this a family thing. And we're in a totally different zone because of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's it. It's like when couples come in for therapy and they're both like, it's your fault. It's your fault. It's your fault. It's your fault. It's like, it it just will go nowhere. I mean, someone has to be the one to say, Harville Hendricks, you know him, he does a lot of Imago couples work, if you're familiar. And his whole thing is like, give your partner what they want, which sounds easy. But when you are withholding it because you think what they want is bad, wrong, or a threat to you. But man, watch a person melt when you just give them, and, and it, but it requires trust. And I think that's where the individual work comes in is like, 
when you do your own individual, when you come into understanding of your own emotional reality and all of the parts inside and the ways that they're hurting and the ways that they're scared and trying to stay safe, once you turn with curiosity, they start to settle down, they start to feel safe inside of you, then you can feel safe with your partner laying your sword down. But if you're not safe with yourself, how are the hell are you going to be safe with someone outside of you? You know, I just feel like it's, it's you've got to do that. You've got to get to know you, you know, if you want your partner to know you. Mic that. drop. I'm just, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I mean, I think this is really, really powerful. And I, and, and it does, it does make me think that the, it starts with us, right? It starts with, within me. It starts with yeah. me. And the cool thing is, is that when you do that work, like we can't have the expectation that our partner will do the work too or change too, right? But by starting on this, like everything that we've said, um, I, I've personally experienced a shift where it's made much more safe for everybody to then engage in it. And you'd be surprised at like how the temperature can just like come down. And I feel like we have a safe environment now to discuss a good amount of things. And that's really powerful. It's a really, it's a, it's a really big change. Yeah, you've now piqued my curiosity. Whenever you try to talk with me about budgeting, I know that I uh, get finances. activated. Yes. <laughs> you know, for sure. Like, yeah. you know, I know I get like, we definitely have very different childhood backgrounds around money and, and things like that. And so that's still, I think, a terrain where it's not that it's unsafe. It's just, um, it does, like Jenny, you said at the beginning for certain things can feel really big. You know, it feels yeah. like I know I can be easily triggered in that. And yeah. I know that we can be get and easily get into polarity. So I do think that you and I like try to try to do its best and communicate when we have to about it. But like, you know, all's well, but right? What's, <laughs> what, what's great about what you're the way you're speaking about it is you're allowing for there to be a difference between you that you can be different. Mm-hmm. And that's the work of differentiation, which to me is what a lot of marriage is about and partnership is about is that you can be you and I can be me and we can be different, but we can still be close and connected. Oh, and I, I think a lot of people when they're in conflict are like, no, 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 we need to see it exactly the same way. We need mm-hmm. to do it this one way. And it's very frustrating. I don't know about, I think, I think there's grieving in marriage when we, when we start to really realize that no no one human can can be our fantasy and that they are you know they bring their their humanity to it and that they're i think there's so much we're fed about the fantasy of what marriage is or what it should be or you know how it should look and i mean i find the reality of it much better i think than that fantasy in the Mm -hmm. sense that it's much more real and deep and and allows room for growing and in like I mean it's part of that like authenticity. I mean the the idea of just this melded couple. It, I mean that's that's also it strikes me that like this romantic fantasy is also very childish in this in the sense that it's really a longing for uh, you know returning to the embrace of the mother it's a longing for it's a fantasy for something that doesn't exist which is perfect attunement and a lot of times the womb right <laughs> the womb we have to we have to mourn that with our 
and this is the work of personal therapy is we have to grieve that loss with our own parents, right? Which is Mm -hmm. that longing and that fantasy for perfect attunement that we will never get because no human can be perfectly attuned to another human at all times. Now, some do it better than others, right? I mean, some parents really whiff it entirely and others get pretty close, but um, it's natural and human to long for that. But where we get into trouble, I think, is when we don't realize that it's a longing and it's not really a reality and that we've got to accept something good enough or close enough, you know? Well, Jenny, can I reveal something? I, I, I have a judgment around this. Like, I, I, I have a judgment that that longing is a sign that some personal, de- that, that the, that the road of personal development has not been traveled far enough for that person. Yeah. Let's hear for it. For <laughs> me, there is this exciting, you know, transition in uh, like midlife adulthood of like discovering what does it really mean to have an authentic self and to express this like this, you know, and, and, and like this requires leaving behind some idea of, you know, I, I'm going to be c- cocooned in a, you know, in, in a kind of all embracing relationship. Like, no, I want my relationships to be adult ones where we give and take and, and we, and we come together and we leave. And yeah. So I, 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 I think like this is, this is a kind of personal developmental stage. Would it feel better if I framed it as there's a part inside that longs? Oh, for that I, well, kind I'm, of yeah. perfect attunement. <laughs> yes. yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, I, I totally agree with that. Yes, yes. No, I, I, yeah. I'm, I, I, I am in one hundred percent alignment with that. That I absolutely have parts that are still children. That you know, if uh, they think that if they can only perform well enough, that their mom is going to love them. You know, and, uh, sure. Yeah, I mean, same. It's like I've done a lot, a lot, a lot of work around my relationship with my mom and uh, accepted her for where she's at and who she is and changed some things. And we have a much different relationship than we did growing up, right? And I, st- and, and, you know, she's in her 90s and I know one day she will pass and I'm kind of preparing myself for that. And I know that there is a part that deeply, deeply wishes we had a different kind of relationship. I just, I, and I know that part will always want that and long for it and dream of it. Is it the loudest part? No. Does it drive the bus? No. Does it pop up at times when I'm feeling particularly vulnerable? Yes. When something happens between she and I, yeah. You know, like, but I feel that part is welcome. And I, and especially with like the mother and the, and the father too, but that those wounds, I mean, I hear you. No, I, I, and I was perhaps too, too strong or misspoke. It's really this unexamined desire for this, for this kind of cocooned embrace. That is definitely child, childhood parts want that. But I think in, in, you know, midlife personal development, there is this like expression of an authentic self that would be stifled by that, by that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I hear, I hear what you're saying. You've had like the opposite of a midlife crisis, like the one kind that they would get in the eighties or (laughs) nineties and like dad goes and gets a Corvette, you know, and like that kind of midlife crisis, (laughs) you've had the opposite or a very different version of that, where instead of being a crisis of like trying to go back to youth, 
you have, you know, wanted to fast forward into sage, you know, adulthood. Like, you know, it, it's yes, it, I want to be an 80 year old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wise. Yeah. Well, you've responded to it differently, you know, which is yeah, right. instead of trying to grasp some bygone moment, you know, you've turned inward, which is imagine the world we would live in if when people hit their midlife, they they heeded that call. Mm. I mean, that would be a mm. game changer. Oh Oh my God, game changer. It, it would absolutely that's, change that's the world for the better. That's what we want to do with uh, the Family That's what we want to do with the Family Thrive. That's exactly what we want to do. Provide a, a Supportive space. environment for that. Yes, provide a space yeah. for this. Exactly. Yeah. I think it's good too to just normalize like your marriage, my marriage. Like, yeah, we fight sometimes. Yeah, there's conflict. Yeah, we went through this patch and it was intense and rough. And yeah, we went to therapy. And yeah, you know, it's like- just to remove the stigma around that. So many people think like, I think having conflict is hush hush and we don't talk about it or going to therapy means, you know, you're, you're on the brink of divorce or, uh, you know. Right. Jenny, my parents never argued in front of me. Never once. I, I had, I have no, I have no, my, I don't even know what that's like. I have no idea. They've never, not even like a cross look. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's an interesting thing was. that you bring up too, because mine did not either it was a much of a practice of doing it behind closed doors and you and i have had like a really long-standing difference around it like i felt like let's argue in front of the kids as long as we're not calling names or getting activated or triggered or dirty like you know in it in it but argue and show a resolution like we should show like what the process is like A decade ago, Audra and I received news no parent ever expects to hear. Your four-year-old son has brain cancer. In that hospital room in Orange County, California, we had our fair share of tears and despair. But we also vowed that we would use this to help our family thrive no matter what. A decade later, after starting a nonprofit that has served thousands of childhood cancer families, we're on a mission to bring all of the amazing researchers, doctors, therapists, and other experts we've worked with to all families everywhere. That's why we created The Family Thrive, an online platform and community of top health and wellness experts and parents like us who are looking to thrive against the odds. There's fresh daily expert articles and topics that matter to parents like us, like how to cook a superfood meal in under 20 minutes, or the latest sleep science that can boost our kids' mental health, or simple things we can do to thrive as parents. We have top credentialed experts breaking it all down into bite-sized chunks of actionable wisdom. And you know when they say it takes a village to raise a family? Well, this is our village, and it's filled with quick bite expert wellness information and conversations that are designed specifically for busy parents. And when you're ready to dive deeper, we also have group-based workshops written and led by PhD researchers, psychologists, and clinical dietitians. This village is all on your phone, at your fingertips, whenever you need it. Join for free today at thefamilythrive.com. Can we have, can we like think of together some takeaways for this? For the, for the Family Thrive we are supporting parents, mental and emotional health, and then all of the things that are in support of that, right? This is a holistic approach to this. 
we do believe that it starts within us individually and that we want to be a platform that supports the individual in their in their work. And maybe that's why the marriage matrix thing wasn't working for me too cuz it's like I'm seeing this through the lens of the the mom or even the dad, but it's mostly going to be the mom who is like not only exhausted in her relationships, you know, at home with her kids, but she's not feeling connected. She's triggered. She's wondering why this is going on with her partner and it's like where can I start? Where can I start digging into this? We want to be a supportive environment for that. Yeah. So can we list off, we said a number of things on the podcast, but just to be like really kind of concise, a couple, just a couple places to start. Well, maybe Before we can go individual around therapy and, each, too. and each of us just say something that like we're. I think that's a great idea. Does that sound good, Jenny? Something that, that kind of we're left with. All right. Yeah. yeah if you guys go, go first. first. Yeah. Go ahead, Justin. <laughs> oh, all right. You're always ready. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that I personally am taking away is I, I'm glad that I got the opportunity to reflect on the doing this work over the past two years and the shift that that's had in our relationship. And so what's coming up for me is just a renewed commitment to doing this work because it's not done. It's not, you know, uh, it's not perfect. And so just a renewed commitment to being aware, being mindful of the triggers for me and then looking inward and not putting that out onto you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. What about for you, Jenny? I was going to go last, Audra, but okay. First of all, I just want to say, guys, you're always so generous and kind in your compliments and the feeling is totally mutual. I just think you guys are amazing humans. And I'm so honored to get to have these conversations, whether they're being recorded or not. They're just so, (laughs) I just, I mean, I just love you guys. And I love this. I love this stuff. I think what I'm taking away is I kind of, it's like part of me was like, oh, I wish Tina were here. You know, I'd love to hear her perspective in terms of, you know, um, (laughs) what, what a pain in the ass I've been at times, Um, (laughs) but no, but how we've come together and kind of grown together. I'm also really struck by your matrix in the sense of what is holding us in partnership. Is it something around authentic self, commitment, skills? I just, I think that's a really interesting way of looking at it. And for me personally, I'm like, oh yeah, I've always been fully committed. That is like the one, you know, thing I can say has just been unwavering for me. And now I'm sort of seeing the way that's tied in with my authentic self and my, you know, the way we repair and things like that. So it's just, I found that really helpful, Justin. So just kudos for your tricks. And um, I hope other people find it helpful too. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like that was a little abstract, but I just, I love talking about this. And if I can, if I can demystify for people turning toward their, their emotions and their scary feelings and their anger. Amen. If I can just demystify that for any one person and say, it is not as bad and scary as you think it's going to be. And it will truly set you free. It will completely set you free. I I heard the uh, analogy of it's like lancing a boil. You know, oh, God, <laughs> it's, it's like, oh, the, the, oh, that that sharp thing is going to hurt. But it's like, no, 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 you got to do it. So and satisfying. then clean it out and you're going to feel awesome. Yeah, but, right, right. <laughs> so let's leave with that image. Anyway, I'll <laughs> yes. All Thank right. Thank you, Justin. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking of like Dr. Pimple Popper or whatever. <laughs> oh. that I think the kids like to watch oh, on Jesus. TikTok or something. Um, oh, <laughs> 
when that just and- commercial comes on, <laughs> I have to like leave the room. I'm like, yeah. no, I cannot. Oh my God. What is coming up for me in conclusion here is some a conversation that I had with Jenny actually in Maxwell Project about shadow work. And it it's so um it was it was really powerful to me. And I think that we spend so much of our lives like we've got the shadows like we're we're surviving we're you know often coming through childhood into young adulthood and then for parents coming into early parenthood is really really traumatic and some for some like actual like there's physical medical trauma and things like that but it's a traumatic experience and so i think we accumulate almost an army of shadows and i mean there's a lot there's a lot there that by the time we get to this place of uh the midlife opportunity mm-hmm. if you will um, <laughs> I love that reframe. <laughs> we have we have a lot of folks around the table with us, and you know it. It's something I think that was a really powerful realization for me. But what? But I wanted to share about the shadow work is is instead of seeing that as like uh kind of like a, a darkness we carry with us or whatever. For me, our conversation about that, Jenny, was so powerful because that we are, as we go through these difficult things, childhood trauma is on and we accumulate the, the, we, we survive, we persist. And so we accumulate this, we have the shadow that we kind of get, kind of stuff away, right? That's a survival mechanism. And it's something that I have significant gratitude around. So I want, I guess what I want to share is a movement out of shame around that. Like Mm -hmm. we all have so much junk in the trunk, you know, or whatever. Um, There, we carry a lot with us. We have a lot of baggage. Everybody does. Yeah. And it's a beautiful thing. It's a survival mechanism. Like we need it. We need to have room for that somewhere to pack that away. And when we talked about it in Max Love Connect, it was like, yeah, it's kind of like high circulating blood glucose or something like like we have fat cells that take that in to protect us from the really really devastating effects of you know of of uh blood glucose um just circulating in the blood right um it's a protective mechanism you know like we can name many biological protective mechanisms like that this is a protective mechanism for our heart and sometimes even soul and our you know our, our inner world and i like totally appreciate that um, but we do get to the point where, like the quote that I mentioned, like if you if you don't face this stuff, then your relationships will, whether it's your partnership or your kids or in the workplace. My goodness, Jenny, we have so much to bring to the world around that um, yeah. and how you show up at work like this stuff is showing up. And it is like there's there's like who you think you are. And then there's like all of the the shadow folks, <laughs> you know, um, popping up. And and again, we're grateful. But. It comes to be the time that that's our work to do. And the word that you use, liberation, is the first word that comes up to me. On the other side of that work is freedom. Yeah. And how beautiful is that? I see a picture of like a Bora Bora, you know, on, you know, kind of like walking down this beach. And that is like on the other side of me doing the work to be able to be in my authentic self. Right. And and just if I can add one little cherry on top, it's not freedom from ever feeling bad. It's not right, freedom right. from yes. conflict in our marriage. Right. It's freedom too. It's well, it's freedom from the shame around that. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's yes. a freedom to 
allow everything to be here and us to walk through it and get to the other yes. side instead of having yes. to stuff it, fester it, defend it, you know, just, yes. just move through it. Let the waves crash on the beach, you know, and isn't it a freedom from the weight? Yeah. From the burden, from the bigness of, of these things, from the, from the unsafe things the from that, like, you know, all of that stuff, right? Like, yeah. From the all or nothing, mm-hmm. you know, that's from the, from the all or nothing from the binary of like, it's bad or it's good. You're bad or you're yeah. good. I'm bad or good. Our marriage is bad or good. Yes. I mean, the binary is yes. on its way out. Yes. Thank God in so many ways, but this yes. is a place where there are no bad emotions. There are just some that are harder to, to experience than others, you know? And so mm. any way we can- oh, I love that. No yeah. bad emotions. That. Some yes. are harder to experience than others. I love that. Yeah. yeah. That's beautiful. I think I think that's, that is that is a perfect way to it's just a bow uh, on it. Yeah, to put a bow on this conversation, yes. which is really just a comma, a pause, because we are going to do this again. Jenny. Yay! I can't wait. <laughs> oh, I'm oh excited. my friend, thank you so much. You are just a a you're you're a joy. You are. It's an honor to know you, and uh, thank you so much for coming back thank you for sharing your brilliance with us your oh all my of your jennyism okay. all of your ways of making sense of these complicated <laughs> okay. things <laughs> oh love my you. goodness thank you you guys it's always an honor love you both love you too love you. hey thanks for listening to the family thrive podcast if you like what you heard please subscribe tell two friends and head on over to Apple Podcasts or anywhere you listen to podcasts and give us a review. We're so grateful you've chosen to join us on this Family Thrive journey.